Luke chapter number 7 this morning. And um, I pray that God will help this morning the Lord to have his way. Luke chapter 7 at verse number 24. The Bible says, And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. What went ye out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's courts. But what went ye out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, among those that are born of a woman, there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. Let's go to God in prayer and then you can be seated. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray this morning you'll take the message and speak to our hearts. I want to thank you for the good liberty, the testimonies, the choir singing, Lord, the offering. Lord, thank you for just visiting with us in this service this morning. Thank you for the Sunday school hour. And I pray now these next few moments you'd be glorified. I, I don't want to be a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Lord, I don't want to preach to draw attention to the flesh this morning. But I pray, God, that we'd see no man save Jesus only. May you be exalted in our midst and may you help our hearts. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. We do pray. Amen. Amen. I want to preach this morning. This is the thought. Now, this is the thought that's on my heart. And it's what Brother Danny was kindly touching on this morning. And the title for this message I want to preach on is A Pansy Preacher or a Powerful Prophet. A Pansy Preacher or a Powerful Prophet. I think if you look at this text this morning, you'll see that. Because in verse number 24, the Bible highlights the departing of the messengers. These were the messengers of John. And the Bible says that they have now departed. And John, uh, the Lord Jesus has given these messengers not only a message, but he has given them miracles as confirmation that John was who he said he was uh, and that more importantly, Christ was who he said he was. And so there is the departing of these messengers. And then uh, there is the direct of the master. The Bible said in verse number 24 that he began to speak unto the people concerning John. Now this is what I like about Jesus is that there is a there is a, a, an elephant in the room so to speak here because uh, John is in prison. He has sent messengers and they are asking the question art thou he or should we look for another? And you know that had to send some murmuring uh, throughout the crowd because John had baptized Jesus. John was related to Jesus and John was the one that had made bold statements about Jesus. Now when you think about the prophet of John John was big. Uh, he started out big. His ministry was big. His preaching was big. They lined up the Judean hillsides and the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, uh, they come out to hear John preach and John started with a very uh, large ministry and then I think we could say John was bad because
because John didn't care who you was. He wasn't a pansy of a preacher and Jesus is going to talk about that here in just a moment. But John would preach the message no matter who the message was for. He told Herod that it's unlawful to have your brother's wife and he preached against adultery and it costed him his head in the end. So John was big and John was bad. But in the end of John's ministry, we see that he was just John, amen? That he was like every other man in that moment of despair, in that moment of depression while he was there in that dark dungeon knowing that he was about to die. John doubted and wondered and he questioned. You know, just because you doubt something, it doesn't mean that you're not real and it doesn't mean that what you have is not real. It may be the circumstances and the situations of life that you're in. And so Jesus sends some assurance here, but in return, he stands before this crowd and he says, let's talk about the subject that's on everybody's mind. Jesus did not avoid the issue. I don't think preachers ought to avoid the issues that are on everybody's mind in these days. I see here the direction of the master, the desire of the multitude. Jesus, three times, he asked many questions here. You'll notice a, a series of questions is being asked in verse number 24 and 25 and 26, but there is one question that Jesus keeps asking them. He asked them the same question three times. You'll notice it in all three verses here. In verse 24, he said, what went ye out in the wilderness to see? And then in verse 24, he said, but what went ye out to see? And then in verse 26, he asked it again, but what went ye out to see? In other words, you heard there was a preacher that was preaching and you went out to see this preacher. What was you looking for? What did you go out there to see? You know, there's some people, that's the only reason they come to church uh, is just to come to, uh, to see what they can see, amen? And you know, the Pharisees was just like that. They didn't go out there with the intention that this preacher could help them one bit. John was drawing the masses. Uh, he was bringing the crowd in. Uh, so it got the interest. Uh, uh, it got the uh, uh, minds of the, the curiosity of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So they did not go to church on that day uh, to hear John preach to get help. Uh, uh, they just went there to see whatever they could see. I want to tell you when they got there, what they saw was not uh, what they were expecting. Amen. I mean, they probably figured it was some pansy preacher out there uh, that they could buy off and pull in and use uh, uh, his influence to their uh, uh, to their own benefit. But instead, uh, uh, it was not a pansy preacher. Uh, Jesus says in verse number 25, uh, he said 26, he said, but what went ye out to see? A prophet? He said, but uh, I say unto you more, much more uh, than a prophet. Amen. Uh, you see, uh, uh, friend, there's a lot of people that goes to church to see what they can see. They don't go to church to get help. Uh, uh, some even wonder sometimes uh, uh, why they're even there. But Jesus is asking this question. He said John wasn't just your everyday average pansy preacher, uh, but John was a prophet and he wasn't just a prophet. He was more than a prophet. Amen. You know, when I think about men of God down through the years that have influenced my life, then you think about men that have influenced your life. 
They were men that stood tall and preached the word of God. They loved people. They had compassion for souls. They wanted to see people saved, but they preached the word of God without the fear and favor of man. They didn't water the message down. They preached it with the burden and the intent that they wanted to help people's homes and their families and their lives. They were more than a prophet. Amen. Jesus in our text this morning, he highlights a pansy preacher, and then he highlights a prophet. In verse number 24, he he highlights this pansy preacher. He said, a reed shaken with the wind. You know what? He talks about the weakness of those preachers. Listen, you think about a reed. You know what a reed is? It's a tall, slender, leaf-like plant that grows. It's a part of the grass family, and it grows in the marshy soil. It grows in them wet places where there is no stability. And Jesus said, what went you out to see? Uh, a reed shaking in a wind. The wind uh, of some weak preacher uh, uh, that, listen, just uh, uh, would fold for anything. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of those today. So I, I don't know if you're aware of that. Uh, uh, but listen, with the Rick Warren and the Joel Osteen uh, and all this movement and the new age and the new evangelical movement that's come along, uh, uh, listen, even in our own Christendom, uh, it has weakened uh, uh, the message uh, uh, so that the gospel has been weakened down. Men don't preach on repentance like they used to. They don't preach on conviction of the Holy Ghost like they used to. They don't call sin out like they used to. Like Brother Danny was teaching this morning, they'd much rather preach on heaven than hell. And I would too, but hey, the message of hell is real. And Jesus was a hellfire and brimstone preacher. And every man of God that's worth his soul ought to preach on hell too. Amen. Amen. They're worried about the offense. They're worried about offending people. They're worried about others turning it. They're worried about the numbers on the board. They're worried about the size of the crowd. And Jesus talks about a pansy preacher here. And he says this. He said, what you went out to see, a reed shaking in the wind. The weakness of that preacher. Hey, preachers cannot afford to be weak in these last days. Can we get an amen right there? Listen, men of God have got to stand in this hour. And there's a lot that are changing in course and there's a lot that are folding uh, but we need some preachers in this hour that'll take a stand with the right spirit and will preach the book without fear and favor and will preach the whole council you can't selectively preach uh, you've got to preach the whole council of the word of God that means when they're happy preach it but when they're mad preach it anyway you just gotta preach amen we're living in that time aren't we when preachers won't preach against politicians anymore. Brother, I'm telling you, it's sickening the day we're living in. Our illegitimate president, and that's exactly how I feel about it. I'm telling you, the whole time Obama was in office, I never did say by the grace of God that I know of. I never did listen, disgrace the office or try to, I never called him a name or anything like that. I, I prayed against his agenda, but I was not going to say anything against him just because as far as I would preach against his, his agenda, but about him, I wouldn't launch a personal attack on him because you know why? He held the office of our president because at least I believe the first time he was duly elected 
elected. Wasn't sure the second time because I couldn't find anybody that voted for him. Amen. But I'm telling you, the listen, this outfit we're dealing with now, listen, he don't deserve the right to be in office. They stole the election. You know that. The whole world knows that. And they know that. So I can say something about it this morning. Amen. I don't care if, listen, if a liberal don't like it, I don't care if a politician don't like it. We're not taking it off the podcast. Somebody say amen. Hey, they can all go suck an egg the size of a watermelon for what I care. I'm telling you, friend, it's high time that somebody say something about what needs to be said in this hour. And it's not a time for weak need watered down preaching. It's a time for somebody to take that book and preach against it today like they did in the 60s and the 70s. And you ought to say amen to that kind of preaching. I know there's a lot of churches that won't stomach it anymore. But by the grace of God, we need to keep a steady diet of it in this place. Amen. Isn't that right? It's for the help of our homes. And he talks about these pansy preachers. He talks about their weakness. And then he talks about their wardrobe. He said, a man clothed in soft raiment. Is that what you went out to see? I could say a whole lot right there, but I'm going to move on. And what about, I mean, listen, if you want to help yourself, but I told my wife, don't ever, and she never has, thank God, but don't ever buy me a shirt. Uh, you know, I would get real careful about printed patterns on, on me. Amen. Wear what you want to. If you're secure in your manhood, I'm not going to blow you out for it. But I don't want flowers and roses. You know, little flowers on my shirt. I was in a, I was in a store the other day and, and I picked up a dress shirt and that's what it had. It had like these little daisies or something all printed, little small, all over. And Brother Wilson, I thought, my soul, no wonder we're raising sodomites in this land. We're dressing them like that when they're six months, years old, six months old and a year old. I'm telling you, listen, it's just me. It probably is just me. But I would have a hard time taking a preacher seriously if he's got little pansies all over his shirt or little tulips all over his shirt. I'd wonder if he is a Calvinist, amen, or if he is a coward, amen. And you can call that old-fashioned if you want to. But I think a man ought to still look like a man. And I come from the generation where mammals wore roses on their clothes, amen. And preachers and men look like men and women look like women. And I think a preacher ought to not wear soft rain. He ought not look like a sodomite when he gets up to preach. He ought to look like like a preacher, a pastor, a man of God. He don't have to have the best suit on. He don't have to be fancy dressed, but he ought to look like someone that takes the office of a preacher seriously. Hallelujah. I think that goes for his haircut too. Isn't that right? I mean, listen, uh, I, I'm just, just going to leave all that off. i got to move on. Uh, but I'm telling you, a man clothed in soft raiment will tell you a whole lot. Amen. Uh, and you boys look at me. Make sure you dress like a man. Isn't that right? Uh, listen, uh, and I'm not, listen, I don't care if you wear pink. If you want to wear pink, go ahead. But it scares me to death. Amen. Uh, but I, I don't care if you wear it uh, all day long if you want to. I'm 
just telling you, you say, preacher, why does it scare you? Because I've seen too many preachers get up and listen, they look like the Easter bunny behind the pulpit. They look like a clown, like Bozo of the clown. I mean, they're trying to be cool. They're trying to fit in with everybody. I mean, listen, they got everything but the red nose and the big red lips. And I've even seen some of them. I wonder if they didn't have makeup on. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, listen, a man of God ought to look like a preacher. Amen. I don't know why I can't get off of that. But I'm telling you, ought to wear a shirt and a tie when he gets in a pulpit. He ought to have on a suit. It doesn't look like it's five times too little for him. And I'll tell you if mine is, I'm trying. Somebody say amen. But I'm telling you, all these queer suits that they're putting out and men are getting up and wearing that and gelling up their hair and they got a weed eater haircut and they get up and act like they're a preacher. There is no way that I would take my family and sit under somebody like that week in and week out. I'm telling you, friend, listen, we got enough Mary Poppin preachers. We need some men that'll get full of the Holy Ghost and preach, amen. You never thought you'd have to preach on the wardrobe of preachers, but Jesus did. And so I reckon I am this morning. I want to say this morning, behold, they which are gorgeously, oh, I hope that's a word. (laughs) No one will ever use that word on me. But I would beware of the preacher that people say, man, he's gorgeous. (laughs) Gorgeously apparelled. And live delicately. I mean, preachers can be such whiners sometimes. Uh, you say, how do you know that? Because I'm with them every week and I think, man, suck it up. Amen. I mean, we all have hard times, don't we? We all go through times of trials. I hear some preachers whine. Listen, after being with them a couple days, and I know exactly why their people are depressed and don't want to come to church. Hey, you don't want me to come to church and tell you all my sorrows and all my problems. The fact of the matter is God's been better to me than what I deserve. And my worst day living for God is a thousand times better than my best day living for the devil. I don't have anything to complain about. God has been good to me. Hallelujah. You know, me and my wife stopped the other night. Uh, it was the other morning. We, 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 we left, uh, uh, we left uh, Wednesday night from uh, Kingston, drove up to uh, Culpeper, preached Thursday, and we left Thursday night about probably about 11 o'clock and uh, drove a, a few hours and I said, well, let's get us a motel and we'll sleep about four hours uh, and then we'll get up, you know, about uh, six, seven o'clock, you know, six o'clock and we'll we'll head on in. We had to come home for a, a, a wedding there in, in Calhoun and so I uh, said, we'll just come on in. So that was the plan. So we stopped about two o'clock up in Virginia, got us a, got us a motel, you know, and, and laid down and was going was to get up, Brother Laddie, about probably get ready, about get up about seven o'clock, I think it was, uh, and then hit the road about 8 o'clock, you know, and at 5.58, guess what happened? On the fifth floor. I don't think I've ever stayed on the fifth floor in my life. And you know what happened? Fire alarm goes off. Now you want to talk about gorgeous apparel? <laughs> we was all standing out in the parking lot. I looked at that crowd. They was more sin going on. If I was ever going to preach against clothing right there, 
Was I'm talking about from 16 to 95, amen? I mean, listen, we was all standing out there, everybody standing out there in all the glory, you know, uh, and their hair was all messed up, you know. Uh, you, you knew how people dressed, and you know how some didn't dress, amen? And we are standing outside. Uh, I told my wife, I said, we got, a, we got a bigger problem than the hotel burning down right now. It's the way this crowd's looking, amen? Uh, I'm telling you, uh, but there wasn't nothing gorgeous about that. And I'll tell you what, uh, uh, listen, uh, you could complain plain you can make a trial out of anything but the bottom line is God has been good to us we don't have anything to complain about I'm telling you the Lord has been good hallelujah we got a lot of I'm telling you people can't take it like they used to and I pray to God it don't ever get that way around here I mean, sometimes people say, well, I don't like that kind of preaching. Well, I don't know what to tell you about it. I can't help it, amen? I'm just telling you the wardrobe of a preacher. I think a man of God ought to look like a man of God. I think there's nothing wrong with him wearing a nice tie and a nice shirt and a nice suit and looking, uh, listen, professional when he gets up. Uh, but I tell you, listen, there's a lot of preachers. Uh, all they think there is to the ministry is getting the nicest tie, the nicest suit, uh, and looking a sharp dress. Hey, you didn't come to see me this morning. I didn't come to see you this morning and while I'm on the subject it's not a fashion show anyway isn't that right I'm telling you what I love about this church is it doesn't matter if you buy your clothes at Walmart or if you buy your clothes at Joseph A. Banks hey listen we're not running a fashion show here I listen you ought to look your best when you come to the house of God and I'm glad that you do this morning I'm just telling you listen a man of God ought to not be drawing attention to himself isn't that right. I was preaching in a church several years ago and a young preacher walked in. He had on red shoes, a red suit, a red shirt, and a red tie. He walked up. He said, what do you think about this? I said, you look like a red devil is what you look like. (laughs) He just grinned about it. He said, you don't like this? I said, I wouldn't be caught dead in what you're wearing. Isn't that right? I mean, if you want to wear a red suit, red shoes, red shirt, red tie, go ahead and help yourself. Amen. But I'm telling you this morning, I just something about it. I just, I'm really digging a big hole here. But if you dig far enough, you, you'll come out on the other side, I think. Amen. I'm just telling you, uh, as a preacher, uh, uh, we got to be careful that we don't turn this platform into a stage uh, and we don't make it about us uh, and it don't become about me. Uh, I don't want to see no man say Jesus only, don't you? Uh, but pansy preachers are all about themselves. Uh, they've all got to make it about... And then he not only talks about their wardrobes, but he talks about their words. He said here, but what went ye out to see? Verse 26. A prophet. Do you know what a prophet is known for? His prophecy. His words. In the Old Testament, if a prophet made a prophecy, how you would know if he was a true prophet is if it came to pass exactly the way he said it came to pass. If it did not come to pass or did not come to pass exactly the way he said it came to pass. Because remember, they didn't have a full canon of Scripture. So if it didn't come to pass the way that he said it would, he was not a true prophet. He was a false prophet. You know, when a man of God gets up to preach, we ought to pay careful attention to what they say. Is that right this morning? 
I'm nothing wrong with a fancy title if it gets a hold of somebody's mind. But a preacher, nothing wrong with a alliterated outline. There's that keeps the preacher on point and helps the congregation uh, receive the thought a little bit clearer. But I want to tell you, a man of God better have more than a fancy title and an alliterated outline. He better preach the message that God lays on his heart when God lays it on his heart. It better line up with the scriptures, amen. Don't twist the scriptures to say what we want it to say. I'm talking about a true prophet of God. We'll preach the word of God. And we know there's no prophets today. I'm talking about a true preacher, a true man of God. He will preach that book with power and the power doesn't come from him. The power comes from the word of God and the power comes from the spirit of God and the power comes from him being a fit vessel, living a clean life that the spirit of God can work through with the word of God. But it's all God that does it all. Isn't that right? But we're living in a time when preachers won't preach against anything. They won't preach against politicians. They won't preach against purity. They won't preach against my friend uh, uh, people in the pews uh, uh, listen a pansy preacher will not preach against those things you know it's amazing to me and how upset everybody is and I am too by the way about what's happening in Afghanistan if you're a red blooded American it'll make your blood boil what they ought to do is hang the whole outfit in Washington for treason Amen. And I want to say this morning, when you think, it makes my blood boil, but I'll tell you what even makes my blood boil just as much. When Trump was president and everybody was talking about standing up for truth and freedom, we had a bunch of preachers that were scolding other preachers for preaching against all the corruption going on in our day. Telling us things like, well, we ought to just not, we ought to just strictly preach the gospel and, and we don't have a right to, to deal with these things. And say, I'm going to tell you something, we got something they don't have in Afghanistan. You know what that is? It's freedom. Right. And we're, we're fastly losing it in this country. Yes, and the only thing standing between you and, and a communist is not a politician. It's a God-called preacher that will not be run scared and will not tuck tail and run, but will still preach against sin and still stir the crowd up about standing for what's right. And freedom's worth standing for. It's worth fighting for. I'm not going to look for a fight. I'm just not going to run for more neither. Amen. And I'm telling you the time has come when we've got to take a stand in this country for what is right. But it's amazing those same pansy preachers that would say, well, you know, just preach the gospel and they use the gospel as a smoke screen and they would talk about martyrdom and being willing to be martyrs. Hey, it's not time to be a martyr. When it comes time to be a martyr, be a martyr. But when it's time to be a soldier, stand up and be a soldier. And I think David of old and Paul of old, who one was a soldier and the other was a martyr, would both agree with the message of our Lord that there comes a time when it's time to die, but there comes a time when it's time to stand. Hallelujah. What amazes me is this. It's the same crowd that preached against it. I mean, I had preachers say this. They said, we got no rights getting involved in things. We ought to just be willing to die. But here's the deal. That same crowd is showing sympathy. And said, well, we got to pray for the missionaries in Afghanistan. That they'll be delivered. And they're upset because America is not running to their aid. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I wish Trump was still president. I wish we had somebody in the White House that had enough guts 
amen, to load everybody back up and take them back over there and rescue our civilians and rescue our missionaries and get every bit of our equipment, amen, and bring it back home. That's what I wish. But I have a problem with preachers that think we ought to not stand up for our freedom. We ought to not say nothing or do nothing or, and just be quiet and roll over and just preach the gospel and let them strip us and our children and our grandchildren of everything free that we've ever had in this country. Amen. And then want to say, well, we ought to do something in that country. I mean, I don't know if you got a problem with that, but I got a real problem with that in this hour. I'm just simply saying this. Uh, listen, it's a time to take a stand uh, and we ought to not be soft. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, there was preaching years ago I told my wife, it's just a few other, uh, just a few days ago, I said there are cassette tapes uh, in our garage uh, that if you took that message and you preached it nowadays, you know what they'd do? They'd hang you out to dry. I'm telling you, I'm not talking about the politicians. I'm talking about the average church-going person nowadays. Uh, they spent a long time since they really stomached a good sermon uh, that put some grit in their crawl, uh, that put a stand, put something in them to make them want to take a stand. You say, Brother Gravity, what are you saying? I'm saying the only thing that's going to build the church and strengthen the church in this hour and get this country back on the right place is for men of God to get back in the pulpit and preach and preach without the fear and favor of men. Hallelujah. I'm not preaching this morning to get an amen, although I hope you'll keep giving them. I'm not preaching for that this morning. In the church like this, you could preach on heaven and people will shout. I'm preaching to you this morning out of a burden, a concern that what we have at Bible Baptist Church is quickly dying all across this country. Time will not allow me to preach these points, but I want to give them to you this morning. No, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to come back tonight and preach part two. On a pansy preacher or a powerful preacher. Let me tell you, and it'll be sweeter tonight, I think, than it will this morning. <laughs> I want to tell you this morning, your young people, they need to hear this kind of preaching. And I appreciate the mamas and daddies in this church. I'm going to tell you, I appreciate you staying with the stuff, not compromising. I don't think a preacher ought to ride a hobby horse. But I think a preacher ought to clear off a path. And you know what? Preached on Calvary for several weeks and months. And I don't know what God all he's a doing, but it seemed like we left the cross. And ever since then, it seemed like God just said, draw some lines in the sand, clean out some things, just nail down some things. It's stuff you already know and you already believe and we all know. But it's stuff we need to be reminded of. I don't wish no evil on Biden or Pelosi. I don't, brother. I don't wish anything on them. If I had my doings, I'd want them to get saved. I don't want anybody. I'm going to tell you something. I don't want anybody to go to hell. Not a soul. He said, well, you, they're wicked, they're evil. Yeah, and so are we before God found us. And I'll tell you why I don't want nobody to go to hell because Jesus gave his life for them. And if he loved them enough to die for them, I ought to love them enough to not wish nothing bad upon them. 
But I will tell you, there are people sometimes the Holy Ghost will tell you, don't pray for them. And you turn them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. This morning we're living in an evil time. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. You, you know what? It's been said a lot of good things about this church, and I thank God for that. We're, you know, and we all know this. The only thing good about this church is the Lord. If he walked out the door this morning, this church wouldn't be worth coming to another service. But I'm going to tell you something. You know, what, you know what you are this morning, what this church is? Your testimony. Your testimony that in a corrupt hour, in a day of liberalism and modernism and all kinds of evils, your testimony that when they're coming down on the church and they want to shut us down and silence our pulpits, that there are still places across this country don't you swallow this whole bill of goods. I heard, I heard uh, uh, Newt Gingrich make a statement two years ago. And when he said it, it really, it really stuck with me. He told Sean Hannity, he said, he stopped him in the middle of the statement. He said, Sean, can I tell you something? He said, I, I disagree with what you just said. And Sean Hannity is a good voice for this day. But he said, I disagree with what you said about this country being so vastly divided. He said, no. He said, it's not. He said, that's what the media wants you to think. He said, it's what the liberals want you to think. But he said, if you take California, you take New York City, and you take Washington, D.C. out of this country, and I know there's other liberal, liberal uh, uh, capitals and, and, and cities across this land. But he said, if you take those three places out, he said, much of America is still conservative. Don't you swallow what they want you to think. They want you to think this whole country believes sodomites. They want you to think everybody in this country believes in same-sex marriage. Friend, that's a lie out of hell. You take their news media away, you take Hollywood away, you take those liberal cities and, and, and states I just mentioned away. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't know everything, but I've been across this country enough to know. You get in town after town. I'm telling you, I'm talking about old Joe that lives out there on the hillside. Listen, I'm talking about in Ohio and Pennsylvania and West Virginia, not just down in the south. And he's still flying a Confederate flag in his front yard. And it still looks like he's having a yard sale year round. Amen. I mean, all the time. He's got more junk cars than he's got. And none of them run. Amen. And he's got, listen, they, they still think the way we think. All across this country, there's still people living in suburbs. And they love their children like you love their, your children. And they don't want their son bringing a, a sodomite home or their daughter bringing a lesbian home. They think just like you think. Some of them's not even saved, but God put it in them. It's common sense. They want us to feed into that lie this morning that we are the minority and we are as Christians but we're the majority when it comes to God as we stand this morning.
I don't even know what proposition to give other than to say this. Lord, thank you for a place in such a crazy hour. Thank you for a place where you can still come here, people testify. People still shout and praise God. Choir still sings. And people still look like they're going to church. Thank you for a place. It's only, Lord, it's only you that we still have this place. Lord, help us to cherish it this morning. As we saw last year, how quickly it can be taken from us. Help us to pray for our church. Help us to pay for our church. Help us to support it financially and through prayers. Lord, help us to stand. Lord, I pray for every mom and dad. I, I realize, Lord, the pressure is turned up on families now like never before. I, I pray for these young people, Lord. God, there's no telling the hell they have to face day in and day out. Lord, as they go to school, Lord, I pray for them this morning, God, that you'll touch them and help them, help their parents, Lord. Lord, I know there's people here that, God, they're being pressured on their job to do things that probably they wouldn't ordinarily do. Lord, I pray for them this morning. God, I don't have no answers. I just pray you give each one of them wisdom to know what to do. And Lord, I know you'll lead every man in this church. You'll give him wisdom. And what may be for one may not be for the other. But Lord, I pray that you'll direct them accordingly this morning. Help our homes, Lord. And God, help us. Help us not to be silent. Oh God, help us to not just roll over and give them what they want in these hours, but help us to preach the gospel. Help us to take a strong stand with a loving spirit. Help us to be old-fashioned with compassion. Oh God, please, in these days, help us to be light and salt in a dark world, I pray in Jesus' name.